This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant. Happy birthday, USA, as we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Kentucky cities are facing huge challenges right now. We will be talking with the CEO of the Kentucky League of Cities shortly about what he's telling them, advising them to do. First, a chance to catch up with Kentucky's Health Commissioner, Dr. Stephen Stack, in this historic time. The Lexington Emergency Room physician decided to accept the challenge earlier this year of leading Kentucky's Department of Public health. Little did he know that the world would be plunged into a coronavirus pandemic that would require dramatic and historic action. Even with our best efforts, nearly 130,000 Americans have died, including almost 600 Kentuckians. It has been a tough few months, and we're still in the middle of it, maybe just in the beginning of the battle. You've seen Dr. Stack many times standing beside Governor Andy Bashir at regular briefings on the state response. What you haven't seen but have benefited from are the long hours and late nights that the commissioner has been putting in trying to save Kentucky lives. Kentucky Health Commissioner Dr. Stephen Stack is good enough to give us a few minutes and join us. We thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Bill. Good morning. You know, we're all living through history. We're aware of that. And, and it's important to remain in the present while knowing where we've been and where we may be headed. Let's talk just for a minute about how this all went down. Early in March, we had our first COVID-19 case in Kentucky. Is that when you knew that uh, life had changed for you and for all Kentuckians? I think in late February, it was clear that, that there was a real uh, dark storm cloud on the horizon. And by the time we got into March, it was, it was pretty obvious. And, uh, and, and unfortunately, the facts that have evolved since then have shown that this is a real threat. So uh, yes, it has, it has been a wild and crazy ride. And obviously, uh, it's asked a lot of people and Kentuckians have had to sacrifice quite a bit as a, res how, as a result. How much have you agonized over the tough decisions that had to be made? You know, shutting down businesses and schools and putting restrictions on Kentuckians. Uh, it, it had to be difficult to, to ask so much. Uh, and, uh, and yet you did have, uh, most people complied. Yeah, well, so Team Kentucky rallied and it really did succeed. So over the last four months, we've managed to keep our curve relatively flat. And so we're, we are a success story, but there have been uh, significant costs and it's weighed heavily on me from the beginning with each recommendation I made. And, and I'm certain that uh, it's weighed heavily on the governor with each decision he's had to make. But in everything we've done, our goal has been to try to keep uh, every Kentuckian safe and, and, and free from as much harm as we possibly can from this virus. What is the smartest move uh, that we made here in Kentucky early on in your view? We didn't hesitate. We took quick actions at the beginning and, and you have to do that um, in order to blunt these curves. Once you get too far in trouble, it's harder to control. And I think you see that happening across the country now in other states. And so uh, the prompt action is what really helped us to blunt the curve. And now we really have to continue to urge and rely upon uh, Kentuckians to observe what's happening in other places and follow the guidance that we've given, which is to wear masks, socially distance, keep your hands clean, and get tested whenever you think you could have an exposure or symptoms of coronavirus. If you had it to do over, uh, is there anything you would do differently uh, to, you know, to this point? Would you have handled things differently if we had had the benefit of 2020 hindsight? Oh, there's always opportunity to look back and say, I wish we'd done this or I wish we'd done that. But, but, but I think that's kind of revisionist history. You have to live life going forward and hindsight's always 2020. So while there are, are things here and there that perhaps um, 
we could have done differently. I think overall we took the big steps, we took them quickly, uh, and I'm, I'm very proud of what Kentuckians have done to make this a success. I, I have to urge, I have to beg though, that Kentuckians keep up the fight and not become complacent because this virus is out there, it's a serious threat, and unfortunately we are about to see tens of thousands and hundred, maybe even 100,000 or more Americans newly diagnosed every day in other states across the country and that's going to lead to some really um, stark and, and saddening headlines. And so uh, Team Kentucky can look around and see the rest of the nation and hopefully take the steps we need to here so we don't have to reimpose more draconian measures. So let's get to where we are uh, right now. Uh, after Kentuckians made those sacrifices, stayed home, gave up proms and graduations and trips, and then the restrictions started being lifted, and uh, some have acted like nothing ever happened, you know, trying to get right back to normal. Uh, you're saying that could be a deadly mistake. Well, we don't live in a vacuum, right? So the President of the United States has outlined a three-phase opening up America again plan. We have followed that plan. We've worked very hard to try to comply with that was in um, May, phase two was in June, and now June 29th, essentially into July, begins phase three. By the metrics, uh, we can proceed to phase three, but whether we stay safely in phase three or whether we have to roll things back like other states depends entirely on the actions of individual Kentuckians. And, and, and those actions, while, while we may not like them, are within our control. Wearing a simple cloth mask uh, is, is very inexpensive and is something we can choose to do and I have to, like all the others in public health, urge uh, and, and beg the public to please wear those masks and socially distance because that's how we keep our curve flat. That's how we can get back to business, to school, to social activities. But if we don't do these things, people won't show up at businesses because they'll be scared. They'll be scared if they see more people sick, hospitals getting overrun, and more people dying. Then the public will become scared and they won't show up at business. So the way we stay open is by complying with these guidances. The governor has indicated that uh, while he has some hesitation that he uh, potentially would consider uh, making masks mandatory uh, in Kentucky. We know that uh, Knox County, Tennessee, where Knoxville is uh, just to the south of Kentucky, has done that on a local basis. Cincinnati uh, voting uh, potentially to do that. We also know the Kentucky League of Cities is hearing from some mayors throughout uh, Kentucky who are considering or want to know where they stand in potentially uh, enacting local ordinances. How close are you uh, to recommending to the governor that uh, he take that step? Well, you know, um, Bill, we don't live in a vacuum, right? And there's all these other competing social demands. And so uh, it's a challenge. We still have litigation being filed on an almost daily basis, trying to overturn uh, guidance related to mass gatherings, related to um, uh, public activities, uh, related to various uh, guidances. We've had the travel ban was challenged in the courts. Um, when we have society pushing back and, and litigating against these things, uh, when we're in a position of trying to lead the Commonwealth, we have to work in that environment. And so uh, my recommendation continues to be that we take every step we can to urge people to use masks. Now, if we get to a mandate, that, that will be because the data shows that the public is not voluntarily taking the steps it needs and the consequences are becoming substantial, meaning that we start to see hospitals getting more filled up we start to see numbers of positivity increasing, and then we may have to take those steps uh, to try to uh, rein it back in. Uh, but let's let's just both of us, Bill, I think, uh, hope in, that the public will follow the guidance because we don't want to have to get to mandates. We want to work with the public to allow them to get back to the activities they need to do. 
but also do it in a way that is safe and doesn't endanger the most vulnerable among us who could pay a price uh, in the form of their life uh, if, it, if they get this infection. We're in the height of summer and uh, people want to be out and about and uh, you say that there are ways they can safely do that, but we're also seeing people go to uh, de destinations that have high case numbers, uh, uh, some real clusters around the Myrtle Beach area. We're seeing uh, numbers out of Florida that are uh, startling. That uh, is an area that a lot of Kentuckians uh, go and travel to. Are you concerned uh, about uh, Kentuckians traveling and, and bringing coronavirus back with them to the Commonwealth? Yeah, I'm very concerned, uh, so I'm not going to go to any beaches this summer. Uh, we're going to stay at home and enjoy Kentucky and stay in our region. Uh, I know everyone has to make their individual choice, but, but we know that the infection gets spread when people go to hot spots and then bring it back. And if you look now, whereas New York was the epicenter of the disease earlier in our journey, now New York has things a little bit more calm and they're putting in travel bans preventing people from coming from other regions. So. No, we're all in this together, and, and so we've got to find a way to have people understand when we come together and we socialize like people are doing now, that's going to spread the disease. And so I would encourage people to enjoy Kentucky, stay in the state, and, and do so in a socially distanced, you know, masked sort of way. Uh, and, and if we do those things, we'll be in a better place. Um, this is not going away, Bill. Uh, we're going to have this with us well into next year. And so people have to adjust to a new normal. There is no um, rubbing a, a genie's magic lamp and having uh, a sudden cure uh, materialize. This is going to be with us for the foreseeable future. So we have to adjust to the virus because the virus is not going to adjust to our, our desires. Schools are planning to reopen uh, and they're making uh, various plans. Also, our uh, universities and colleges, uh, they plan to reopen with, uh, you know, trying to follow the guidance and so forth. Do you believe that they can do that safely and, and us not have a problem? So I, I believe that they can do it in a safer way. I, I'm not, I want to point out to the public, I'm not sure other than just never leaving your house, there is a completely safe way to get through the virus. But we can reduce our risks and we can reduce them significantly. And so I'm very grateful. Um, Commissioner Brown with the Kentucky Department for Education, Lieutenant Governor Coleman have worked with the Kentucky Department for Public Health and the superintendents to come up with a thoughtful plan uh, to try to do everything we can to ensure that K through 12 students have a safe return to school. Uh, we've also worked and I've spoken with the university and college presidents, public and private, on more than one occasion. And I know they're committed to taking every step they can to provide a high quality education experience but still do it in a way that's respectful of the need to adjust for coronavirus. So I, I'm, I'm impressed by and grateful for the leadership of these communities. Um, and I think they're gonna do everything they can to keep folks safe, but all of it only works if, if the regular uh, Kentuckian follows these guidances and does the things we ask them to. So remember, we're all in this together. Such as you can say, uh, you know, that uh, in the classrooms, masks, uh, spacing, uh, social distancing, and so forth. But you're counting on uh, Kentuckians, especially younger Kentuckians, uh, to, uh, to follow those rules once they're outside the class and back together in these uh, university settings. Right. This does ask a lot of young folks. So remember, overwhelmingly, younger people will do fine, um, but their parents, their grandparents, um, and the people with major medical illness. And, and, and people with illness we didn't know because this disease clearly hits people with conditions that were undiagnosed or may have a genetic uh, prevalence or, or uh, predilection to it that we just don't understand yet. So this is one of those things where you can play the odds, but if you lose, 
uh, the price you pay could be uh, ending up on a ventilator in an ICU, and that's not a place anyone wants to be. A few, um, se a few seconds left, and I'm sure you get this question 10 times a day. Any insights on where we are relative to getting uh, an effective vaccine? Right, so the federal government's doing a number of things to accelerate that, but there won't be a vaccine in 2020. It's not gonna be until next year before there's one uh, proven uh, to be successful and before they can deploy it. So people have to understand that through December of this year, this is the world we have, and we're gonna have to adapt to it. Dr. Stephen Stack, the Kentucky Health Commissioner, thank you so much, we appreciate it, and uh, thanks for what you're doing. And we hope you'll stay with us on Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll hear from the Kentucky League of Cities about challenges our cities are facing in this tough time. We'll be right back with that. We welcome you back to Kentucky Newsmakers here on WKYT. This has been a very challenging time for many, including the state cities. The fiscal year started this past week and cities faced budgets that were much lower than anticipated. Many cuts could be coming in the future. J.D. Cheney is the CEO of the Kentucky League of Cities and he joins us now to talk about the challenges that cities are facing right now and some of the guidance and advice that he's giving uh, those many cities across Kentucky. J.D., thank you very much for talking with us. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate the opportunity to be here to talk about our, our cities. As you know, they're on the front lines. Exactly. And this is such a tough time for government at every level. Uh, businesses were closed. So many places are still operating at just partial capacity. What are the cities doing to try to offset these revenue losses uh, to, uh, to anticipate uh, how much loss they may have because of the pandemic? Yeah, because of the government's response to the pandemic, the needed response to the pandemic, um, most of our cities are, are uh, uh, doing some furloughs. They're tapping into reserves. Uh, the economy's been good, uh, pretty good over the past several years, and a lot of our cities as good financial stewards have built up reserves. Uh, but you see uh, varying responses based on the the disparity in our cities and, and what kind of financial position they're in. But most, most commonly, you're seeing a, a tap into reserves, uh, uh, some uh, attrition in positions, not, not replacing the positions that, uh, uh, that are becoming vacant through retirements or, or, or otherwise, uh, trying to, trying to uh, keep the personnel costs low because the personnel in, in every one of our cities is the most, uh, the most used uh, resource. Uh, so there's a variety of mechanisms that they're using and, and, and they're trying to keep the personnel uh, situation because it's a delivery of services at the same level uh, because that's what's battling the, this pandemic on the, on the front line. Right, they're the ones uh, doing uh, all of the work. Uh, most Kentuckians live in a, in a city or town facing uh, these uh, kinds of challenges right now. Are they going to have to reach out for uh, uh, additional federal and state help to, to get through this? Yeah, right now we are. Um, and and uh, a lot of gratitude goes to both uh, uh, the majority leader in the U.S. Senate, Senator McConnell. He passed the uh, CARES Act. Uh, and, and a component of that directed uh, the, the direct aid to the states, directed the state to share up to 45% of that, of that funding that Kentucky received to, uh, to local governments and cities and counties. I worked with uh, our counterparts at the Association of Counties uh, in a good way. We made a joint proposal and Governor Bashir has released 300 million of the 645 million that would be available for local governments already. And that's being administered 
uh, for COVID-related expenses. And uh, Senator McConnell worked with the U.S. Treasury Department to, uh, to issue guidance that allows us to, to get direct reimbursement for our frontline public safety workers. Uh, and so most of our cities are, are making applications for that. We look forward to working with Governor Bashir on releasing the additional $345 million that would be available for cities. Yep. And we're also working with their entire federal delegation on direct revenue replacement. That, because, uh, um, because the government's response and the the unemployment rate and most of our cities rely on occupational taxes right now because we still failed to modernize our our local tax system uh it, it's it's hit the budgets particularly hard uh, so we're going to continue pressing for those things lots of unpaid utility bills because we can't do do cutoffs and so we need to be able to get some reimbursement uh Right. For those things. Consider they're continuing to provide, in many cases, uh, water services and uh, other uh, utilities and so forth, and having to pay their own bills uh, in that regard. You know, so many of the uh, the mayors and the commissions and councils and, and other leaders across the state felt like cities were on such a roll uh, going into this. You know, particularly the downtowns were coming back in many cases, uh, some of them with uh, nightlife for the first time ever. Uh, and then this came along and it has really been a gut punch for them. As you advise those uh, leaders uh, from those cities, uh, what are you telling them about, you know, is this a pause? Can they get back where they were? Yes, I, I think when when we have resiliency, Bill, it's going to occur in our cities. They're going to lead the way uh, on doing that. And and you're right, a gut punch. It, it's been heart wrenching to watch uh, uh, many of the uh, the small businesses that are cornerstones in in small town Kentucky and and, and even in our larger cities uh, go through the go through this difficulty. Uh, again, uh, the the CARES Act has helped. Uh, a lot of those businesses uh, get through with the with the uh, paycheck protection uh, components of that legislation, and and their cities are using some of their CARES uh, allocations, in fact, to do small business loans in their their communities because they know that's an important vital uh, component of their smaller local economies, but also just their their quality of life. Yeah. So you so you see elected officials. Uh, making that effort to, to help them through as well. City leaders are also caught up in the public health issue itself. You know, what should they do? Uh, how do they conduct meetings and, and, and still be uh, transparent with people? And the question, do cities have the power and responsibility maybe to look at local mask ordinances? Do you anticipate that coming? I, I do. You've seen that occur in several, several states uh, throughout throughout uh, throughout the country and in in kentucky uh we, we have old case law here the most manifest duty of our cities is to protect the public health and i think our elected officials take that very seriously um, I, I would suspect uh if if the cases continue to uptick uh that you would probably see some local officials if the state doesn't take action uh, consider consider that. I think Senator, I'm going to credit Senator McConnell again by coming out talking about the lack of stigma uh, needing to be attached with that. And I know it's become a, a political issue, but it's really it's really about a public health issue, and it's really about keeping the economy going uh, and not not going not going backwards. There's there's not a constitutional right not to not to wear a mask. We 
our, our city officials, if if the situation warrants, under our home rule, here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, mm -hmm. will take the action to perform their most paramount calling, which is to protect the public health. So I, I suspect, if the situation worsens and the state doesn't do anything, that you would have some cities consider the, that action. As we have seen the civil unrest in Louisville and the deep discussion uh, statewide and some protests about uh, racial injustice and police actions, uh, how are cities uh, reacting and responding to that? Are they reaching out to you for advice? If they are, are you encouraging them to adopt policies on uh, uh, things like no-knock warrants and, uh, and police chokeholds? Yeah, the, we have a considerable dialogue. I'm very proud of, of the, the local officials that, that we work for. Most of them uh, uh, simultaneously feel that uh, racial injustice and, and inequity uh, and, and excessive force uh, complaints needs to be eradicated from all of our municipal institutions. But they simultaneously also occupy a position that is uh, that's proud for the public servants that work in our police departments that work for our communities that 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 policing is an essential component of of the quality of life in our communities so um so yes i, I think you're going to see cities and many cities already have adopted policies that uh, that address those uh, topic areas but we've got to we've got to have make no mistake We've got to have some reforms in the way police training occurs, whether it's no-knock warrants, whether it's uh, changes to uh, the way uh, labor negotiations occur with regard to union intervention. We've got to be sure that departments uh, don't have a barrier between a direct accountability to the elected officials. That's what makes them citizen police departments. Well, as you know, that has been some of the frustration that has been expressed about uh, some of the uh, protections that are there, and yet uh, some of the police departments indicate that uh, without some of those uh, protections, uh, it would be difficult to recruit and retain officers. Uh, so that is an area of uh, a lot of ongoing discussion right now. Yep. Yeah? There will be a lot of discussion, Bill, in Frankfurt about, about how to address this from a policy perspective we've led the way on it I, i'll brag about our city leaders uh, in the 2019 session we, we passed the first bill uh, that would allow uh, the the kentucky law enforcement council there in richmond uh, the ability to uh, to meet and revoke peace officer certification it's called pop certification for officers that are engaged in in and, and that way they couldn't travel from from one community to to the other and we, we saw that occurring more frequently but but the the main the main thing is let's be sure that that the elected officials who are directly accountable to the public have the tools uh, that that they need in order to be able to get uh, the very few individuals that that might be better behind bars rather than behind a badge. J.D., just a few seconds left, uh, and I know obviously that will take up some of your uh, legislative agenda and discussion. Uh, looking ahead to the session, do you continue to uh, uh, want lawmakers to allow more cities to collect local restaurant taxes? We, that, that's going to be a difficult discussion given what's happened with the restaurant industry, but I, our board has not met. I assume the equity that equity issue will still be a component and part of the policy dialogue that occur occurs we've got to modernize this 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 event this pandemic and its its impact on the economy has really highlighted the fact that we've got to diversify our local revenue uh, mechanisms uh, be, because of because of the impact if 
people want to continue to receive high quality and level of services that 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 creates the kind of places where people want to live work play and remain uh, here in Kentucky we've got to modernize it in in some way and I'm, I'm confident that dialogue will continue JD Cheney of the Kentucky League of Cities thank you so much for being with us we appreciate it Bill thank you for having us hope you'll stay with us now we have more coming up on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. So COVID-19 is resurging in the South and West. Roughly 20 states are pausing or rolling back reopening plans. And as the health scares intensify, financial concerns remain unresolved. Our national political analyst Greta Van Susteren explains. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren and here is your full court fast break. A safety net for millions of Americans now hanging in the balance. This week, the Paycheck Protection Program set to shut down. But in a last-minute vote, the Senate voted to extend it to August 8th. Now we're all waiting to see how and when the House responds. Lawmakers, meanwhile, are getting ready to leave Washington for a two-week recess. That means we may not see a vote until late July. That also means the roughly $130 billion remaining in the program stays frozen until Congress acts. The PPP offered small business relief loans to maintain payroll. It may have saved tens of millions of jobs, but some experts say small businesses need more money to stay afloat. I asked Austin Goolsby, former economic advisor to President Obama and a professor at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business for his opinion. If we don't have the relief money, those small businesses are going to shut down. And if millions of small businesses shut down, you can bet we're going to have a whole second wave of unemployment. If we could just get a handle, get control on the spread of the virus, there is absolutely the possibility that we could come back faster than we have ever come back before. But all of that is premised on getting control of the spread of the virus. Mr. Goolsby also said face masks play a big part in containing the virus and thus getting our economy back on track. Want more Full Court Press? Tune in Sundays. We bring politics home, covering the national stories that impact you. And remember that you can catch Full Court Press with Greta Van Susteren this morning at 11.30 on WKYT. Well, that's Kentucky Newsmakers. We thank you very much for joining us. Hope you have a safe rest of your holiday weekend. We'll see you this week on WKYT This Morning and make it a good week ahead. <laughs>